nurses and hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Have you blown the whistle on shady healthcare practices and then told you were fired or that you just weren't a good fit for the practice? Well, you're not going to want to miss this episode of Nurses and Hypochondriacs. We're going to be talking to Joe Flores. He's an attorney and also a family nurse practitioner. And we're going to be talking about, that's right, whistleblowers, as well as the importance of negotiating your contract as a nurse practitioner and as a nurse entrepreneur. So stay tuned. And welcome to Nurses and Hypochondriacs, Joe Flores. Hi, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, pleasure to have you finally. Yes, we've been talking about it and working together. And I tell you, and uh, may I call you Ursilia? Very good, Ursilia. Yes. Yeah, as a nurse and uh, NP and lawyer myself, I've learned how to be culturally respectful and try to get everybody's name and pronounce it right. If not, you know, oh gosh, you're trying a trial and all through the trial, you know, you refer to your own client and you don't mispronounce and you mispronounce the name, that could be trouble, you know. So you always have to try to get it right the first time. Very um, true. And I had a I had a seven year old call me on it today because I misspelled, I mispronounced his sister's name, who was four. And uh, he corrected me on his name, who was, he was seven. So he was like, you need to say it right. Plus his name was not really his name. He had another name and he schooled me. And I'm like, I hear you, brother. You know, I've dealt with it my whole life. <laughs> I, you know, I just tell you, I just tell you, you know, we, we, as nurses, we walk in every room and we just, you know, it's all, oh, sorry, sorry about that. Or excuse me, establish rapport. We go in there and we got a, we've got 12 seconds to make the first impression and then it's going to be a long 12 hour shift. Oh, totally uh, true. So, totally yeah, true. Yeah. Or so a long 10 minute visit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every, you know, I always tell everybody they'd say, how did you become a nurse to a lawyer or an MP to a lawyer? And I said, every single skill that I used in shock trauma, ER and ICU, I used in law. Uh, I, I it just, I couldn't have been the same lawyer without my nurse training. And, and in fact, I use it every day. So tell us about yourself then. You're a nurse practitioner. You were a nurse before becoming a nurse practitioner. And tell us about your journey and why you went into nursing. Your mother's also a nurse, correct? Yeah, we were, we were our whole family. Uh, my mom is 82 now. She'll tell you she's 59. She'll kill me if I say <laughs> otherwise. And then my brother hates me too, because I made him go back to MP school at 50. Love you, Fred. He went back and he said, what'd you get me into? And I said, dude, I told you to go back like me in my, in our twenties. And, uh, but, uh, he was a great, uh, ER nurse. And so now he is doing FMP and probably going to add the emergency room thing on later. It was just a logistics thing that FMP down here in Texas and South Texas is easier. They don't have it except in Houston. And he wanted to stay closer to home. I love living in Corpus Christi because uh, the water, I've always been a kind of water person. And uh, I just, it's a great place to raise kids. And it's between Dallas, uh, all the pubs, and I can pretty much catch planes within a couple hours from anywhere. Uh, and so I, I just started out uh, at 18. Uh, well, at 17, I graduated high school and my Mom suggested I go. The day I graduated high school, she graduated nursing school, her ADN. Later, we studied BSN together when she was in her 50s and I was in my 20s. And then uh, and then I took on the FMP role. I just uh, went back at 25. No, yeah, yeah, thereabouts, 25, 26, went back. And then I went into law straight through six years. So it's like uh, um, actually 27 to 33. And, and oh, wow. I, when I got out, yeah, I, I had wanted to just my, you know, naive self. I went in there going, I'm going to represent doctors and lawyers. I mean, uh, doctors <laughs> and nurses, and I'm going to change the world. 
Um, but what I ha happened was it's a lot different being a lawyer. Just like when we start out with nurses, we find out when you get in country, it's it's a bit different. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. You grow up fast. I saw things I shouldn't and no 20 year old should have seen during the crack wars of 89, 90. And I was just a brand new nurse. And so same thing in uh, in uh, the towers hit uh, two months after I became a lawyer and the whole world changed. And so wow. I started getting into federal law and doing a lot of that. And basically, I like to cross train just like we do in nursing. So I tried every type of law uh, and learned it uh, as far as the biggies, uh, working with children, working with the elderly, um, doing med medical malpractice from either side and nursing home from either side. Then I did federal law, everything from guns to cartel cases to um, uh, healthcare fraud um, to securities, um, IRS stuff. And most of my clients were starting to become healthcare providers, mainly nurses. 80, 90% of my clients are women and uh, they are nurses. And, uh, and so I started having to do a lot of regulatory work. Uh, licensing, um, a national practitioner data bank, ugh, the worst. Uh, and, and, uh, <laughs> and so that's my stuff. Uh, and I found my uh, niche uh, or niche as we call it down here in Texas. Um, and uh, I, I tell you, uh, yeah, we corrupt every single word here. Uh, um, and um, so that's my story and I'm sticking to it, you know, um, and I just love to post to the point of ad nauseum to nurses because I don't think that there is a lot of uh, presence out there that can help nurses negotiate, nurses fight a complaint. If nurses see a badge, what do they do? And they're working at a pain management or weight loss clinic. I get a lot of those questions. Interesting. Uh, just stuff like that. I mean, oh. I can give you a thousand examples, but I, I don't want to hog up our time. Yeah. Well, a lot of people know you because you're always posting on Facebook as I am. <laughs> I'm a lot handsomer in my uh, Facebook deal than <laughs> now. It's a bad hair day. It's raining outside. Yeah. It's a cheap excuse, but I use it. Well, those uh, Facebook, uh, what do they call it? Bulletin board sites or board sites are very interesting. And with the questions are very interesting. And you can see how uneducated people are about their scope of practice, about what they can negotiate, about what physicians want them to do. It's really interesting, you know, and it's interesting to hear the comments. Like um, there was one the other day where this uh, nurse practitioner, I guess it was her first job ever. And this doctor was on top of her and he was undermining everything she, she did. Right. And so she felt very disempowered. So a lot of the people on there was like, oh, just do it for six months. It's good experience. I was like, that's weird. I mean, I don't know about you, but way back when, when I did my first uh, NP job, I had a great mentor. Um, he's now passed away. I was at a pediatric practice. We were super busy. We'd see anywhere from 30 to 60 kids a day. It, this was before Obamacare. Okay. Uh, and um, he was great. He like trained me for a week. I did a one-on-one -on -one with him. And then he's like, you're on your own. And he's like, come in and consult with me anytime you need to, you know, need a consult. And I was like, perfect. And I learned so much that way, but having someone on top of you. No, I mean, because we it's a hostile work environment. It's hostile. Yeah, it's hostile. How can you learn that way? No one can learn that way. So anyway, so tell us about your television show. That's pretty awesome. I have a television show and I started it out, um, really as uh, I'd run for office, uh, got my rear end handed to me. I had $40,000. My opponent had 400,000. Wow. I had been in politics since I was younger, but I always been the towel in the corner, man. I'd never been in the ring on the canvas. And when they, uh, you know, I took on five man race, uh, well, two females in the race, three, three males. Uh, and, and it learned, I learned a lot about politics, but I learned that I was a better coach and mentor than I was the boxer, you know, and I uh, went on to win about 12 campaigns as the manager. Wow. Um, yeah. So I Perfect. said, just like in uh, my job as a lawyer helping nurses, 
I like this because I like mentoring and teaching and I've taught medical ethics and I've taught FMP and LVN or LPN and RN. So I've, I've also been an educator. And so I said, this, this is a better fit. And what it did was empower me with uh, interviewing over 50 congressmen. Wow. Uh, I interviewed the late Ted Kennedy. Um, I've come out on vice. Um, I've come out on religious shows like John Hagee, his saturation is like half a billion. I had no idea when I came on, they go, you're on people in Haifa, Israel are watching me. Uh, people in Brazil are watching me. And, uh, I was like, Whoa. So I've had some very unique opportunities, uh, to, to do media and through media, I became fascinated with the internet, but I'm working now and polishing what I'm trying to do with some media mediation. I mean, uh, media guys, uh, people that are working with me because they said, you know, you've been you've been really the last five years drilling down to help nurses. Let's let's make you better. And I said, yeah. hey, I'm I'm open to suggestions. At 30, my ego was, and now I'm like, I'll take anything. I, you know, I, I don't mess uh, with people who know their technology, their media, and who are, and I respect the director behind the camera, and I, I respect the craft. I used to direct, shoot, write, do everything, and I was like, now it's, you know, chill. Let, yeah. let people help you. And that comes from the nursing. If I don't do it, no one else will. They get kind of mentality, you know. Um, and my law practice has changed, too. It's just like nursing. You know, maybe go to the bathroom once during the shift uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe uh, just eat in five minutes. And, and, I, and I, you know, I tell nurses now I've learned we need to take care of ourselves before right. we take care of everybody else. Sounds cheesy, but it's true. It's so true. So true. What'd you talk about on the religious shows? I, I'm just curious. Oh, they threw me a uh, gun control, you know, no big pressure. I was expecting abortion. I was going to go, okay, let's go. Uh, but no, it was on the mass shootings, gun control pre COVID. And um, oh, interesting. I had, uh, you know, told them I'm from Texas. I get it. But uh, really, I believe that there should be at least some, uh, litmus test on mental uh, uh, status and uh, on uh, any past, whether a lot of the time they slip through the net, misdemeanor violent crimes. I'm not trying to, to be the ma- minority report here and stop crimes before they happen. But I believe that, uh, you know, there should be much more uh, restrictions. If you are a law-abiding citizen in Texas right now, we have open carry, but I don't know who's open carrying. They may have a ton of medical diagnosis, psychological diagnosis, oh. and uh, that's the only thing that concerns me. Um, I know New York has some really tight laws. I've got some great friends that work there as federal uh, defenders, and they tell me it's harder than Chinese arithmetic to get a gun permit in New York. Here, you can just go to a gun show. Wow. And from the other side, I talked to them in which uh, they weren't really wild about. Uh, They didn't know that I also represented people that smuggled guns. I I used to be um, um, in the federal, uh, I'm still am uh, in the uh, federal lawyer. Uh, And so I would get cases where I had to defend somebody that was buying guns and having somebody else buy the guns for them. Interesting. Uh, yeah, even and that includes cocktail waitresses working in Mexican restaurants with clear medical records, buying them for the cartel. And then the cartel ships them uh, south. Everybody sees drugs and guns running north. Nobody sees the money and the guns running south. They're, they're, they don't have what we have as far as all the dogs, everything. If anybody's traveled down either in your San Isidro or McAllen, Texas, or you're in Phoenix, or whatever, and you're going down to the border, when you're going south, it's a lot less restraint. When you're coming up to America, that's when, you know, so they cartel, everybody's like, like guns, money. And so it, it is uh, It is interesting. I've had an interesting life representing people in federal court. I've represented nurses falsely accused of, uh, you know, downloading in, inappropriate things, uh, going on tour, uh, and looking at chemical weapons stuff, just out of curiosity. Uh, I mean, yeah. y'all like a gorilla. Uh, uh, people are watching. You know, I used to say my program is brought to you by the NSA for a full transcript. Call them because <laughs> uh, so, I know they're watching me. That's it. So that's my television experience. Wow. And uh, I did a little bit of radio. 
Very fascinating. Um, I can see many great books coming from there, especially with the cocktail waitress story, smuggling guns. It's like, I want to know more. (laughs) So yeah, cool. So any book writing in your future or have you published any books? I just wrote a fundamental legal nurse consultant book, not to, you know, make, uh, you know, uh, the New York Times bestseller list at all. It was to give nurses, especially now during the COVID time, um, an answer to the thousand, two thousand, three thousand dollar courses, uh, thousands of dollars, and also the courses that are cheaper, but they're not written by a lawyer that happen to be a nurse practitioner. None of them. Right. And uh, I wanted to give that perspective to all LNCs that also have the, you know, trademark LNC thing, total respect. But uh, I didn't do that. I learned on my own. I just started working for a bunch of lawyers in my 20s since I was 23. And I started reviewing records. Uh-huh. And uh, now in my uh, after I've hit my 50, 50th birthday, I uh, look back and uh, I still review a lot of my own records, but I bring in uh, my cadre of uh, nurses that look over things. And uh, I don't just use them for that. We use them for focus groups. Oh, neat. Yeah. Become jurors. Um, I'll put a piece of evidence with everything redacted and go hang them or let them go. And then throw it to a group of my nurse colleagues on certain groups. And that's a great beta uh, test. It's a great litmus test for your case, your strengths, weaknesses, and danger points. I took a legal nurse uh, consulting class way back in 2007, and it was taught by a nurse. Um, It was way expensive (laughs) because she really didn't teach you much. I I mean, she did have her own LNC books that she published and stuff. And overall, it was a good class. Um, And I did get a, a case or two thrown to me, you know, and it was very exciting to do. And the money was pretty good as well for just reviewing a a case and giving my professional opinion was pretty cool. Um, They are kind of hard to come by. I mean, I do have some attorney friends that'll call me and they'll be like, Oh, I have a case. And I'm like, cool. And then I won't hear from them anymore. So So either it settles or, you know, that's kind of how it is. Or they've even had people in India reviewing stuff I heard for medical mouths. Horrible reports. Sorry to say, no offense, India, but you get doctors from India to review it. They need nurses. Lawyers need nurses. They don't understand. We look at everything 360. And in my book, in my course book, I tell them and give them immediate feedback. What do lawyers want? And the number one do and don'ts never go to a lawyer who handles wills trust and estates and tell them hey do you want me to review your medical records rule number one rule number two never put anything in writing to a lawyer before checking with them first because it can become discoverable and rule number three don't quit your day job exactly Uh, there's there's only two ways to make it in nursing and 150 i'm sorry that that is the unicorns and rainbows of LNC. Lawyers are going to pay you between 40 and 90 bucks an hour. The only time you get 150 is either the, the lawyer thinks you walk on water just for reviewing records. No way. Testifying. And I teach nurses how to testify. That's my next uh, frontier is we're going to do a mock trial. I'll show them. Uh, I do mock trials with eight and nine year old kids. And this is no like trying to be Mr. Condescending. I teach eight and nine year old kids how to do a trial in two hours. They're they're cross-examining, directing, introducing evidence. And so the kids on the jury don't get bored, which in real life happens. I get them to slip notes to the to the lawyers saying, boy, are you blowing it? They love it, you know, and then uh, (laughs) switch. And I made one of the nuns at the at the Catholic school, the judge, of course, I brought her a gavel and a gown and that's awesome. everybody went to town. And, and that's what I would love to do is one of my seminars, uh, along with my book. I wanted a, a gift under $500 that somebody could get. And the only one from an FMP that's also a lawyer for 20 years and been a nurse for 33 and, uh, and an FMP for 23. So I wanted to give them that because there wasn't anything like that out there. They do have comments from lawyers, but it's like 
30-second commercial. This is what I want on my case. This is what right. I want on my case. I'm part of the tech, uh, Trial Lawyers College up in Wyoming, Jerry Spence, graduate college guy. And uh, I met so many people from around. I'm also in all these groups of lawyers. So when uh, LNC comes to me and takes my course, I give them like four leads per state to start them off. And, nice. and when they take my book and my course and they get through it, they have an automatic reference from me. And I know a lot of lawyers. So I give them leads. That's great. That's the, that's the, that's the difference. And also not getting ripped off for thousands. Cause I hear it from everybody. Um, oh, you 1%. always have to make them a retainer. That's what I learned is get your retainer up front. And I did get my one fifty an hour. So there <laughs> I got my seven fifty retainer, you know, which was great. I was like, Whoa, I asked for it and I got it. And, and for me, it's magic like that. Anytime I make like a, a slam dunk uh, and I've done that in my career, it freaks me out. <laughs> well, you can but, sell it. You can sell it. I did. I got, I got that too, but I wasn't going to say that, but specialty fields they'll pay for. Yeah. It was a specialty. It was a, it was a pediatric specialty. It was a neonatal intensive care it had surgery involvement. I had to actually pull in some of my anesthesiology friends because uh, at the time I was working at Children's Hospital LA. So I got them to consult for a cocktail. So <laughs> you had your focus group with a cocktail. <laughs> I did. I had my cocktail focus group, which was great because I had Love the best it. of the best to pick from. They were my colleagues. I was working in um, pediatric anesthesia at the time, clearing all the cases for surgery. So I, yeah, smart. it was totally fun. It was a good time. Um, you are the top 5% of LNCs that are going to make the bucks and demand because we have to be aggressive. We're so used to nursing, not negotiating, yeah. not thinking outside the box. From what I hear from you growing up in L.A., you were around the studios. You saw the game was played, negotiation, yeah. uh, things the way we're done. Um, you know, I also my- come from a gambling background, and I've said this on the show before. My parents, I grew up watching them play poker. They bought their home in Palm Springs, California, so they'd be close to the casinos because they don't like to travel. So that is their niche. Gambling, I've always you know, been around it horse races. I used to go to the track with my um, dad as a kid. So that's how it is. You, you take, learn to take risk. You learn to negotiate. You learn to just be like, you know, (laughs) and a lot of nurses are afraid. Let's kind of talk about contract negotiations as a a nurse practitioner and going into practice. I I wrote um, uh, an article about it because uh, I heard a a conversation a nurse practitioner was having on how he got screwed, you know, on his first job. He thought it was what he wanted to do. It all seemed perfect. And at the end, when he was going to sign or after he had signed, um, the director had screwed him and offered him 20% less of what he first negotiated for. And he said, take it or leave it. You know, that's what the director told him. Are you going to sign or not sign? You know, and I go, I would have left it, but he said he ended up taking it because it was only three days a week, like he was working three tens, and then he had ample time to go do something else. So I was like, well, if you look at it that way, it's okay, you know, but that's up to you. I would have left because that director ended up treating them like garbage, you know, for two years. He didn't have a rubric on how to give him a raise, just made it up. Just weird stuff. I've heard so many weird things. I work at a lot of, I work locums uh, as well as um, my pediatric practice here in Palm Springs. And I learned so much about how shady people can be. I agree. (laughs) I agree. Um, You know, uh, thanks for California for so many things. National Nurses United, uh, California nurses, they're always leading the, the charge. Uh, they led the charge during COVID. I joined with them. I wrote a, an editorial to the New York Times. I called it Warriors Without Armor uh, because they were sending us literally in there without PV, uh, you know, our personal protection. PV. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and uh, it's very upsetting to me. And I and I was lost friends because of that. And uh, so um, I think uh, 
that California uh, deal, um, it's a different culture. Uh, if we co- travel across the U.S., I have met with people, particularly in the South, there are no unions to speak of. Unions are frowned on, especially what, right, you know, no history lessons here, but nearly 40 years ago when Reagan told the air traffic controllers, you're just going to be fired if you go, go back to work and we're going to put in government contractors. That was really a crippling moment for unions. And uh, so we workers uh, like ourselves started losing hand. We didn't have the negotiation power. Corporations just started getting this take it or leave it attitude. But right. there are some things that I think that both of us can agree on. And then you can add to uh, is that that for sure you need a professional to review your contract. Um, if you're not comfortable with contracts. Now, some people I know people that have been in finance, real estate, and then went back to nursing. I mean, they're wizards, but most of us aren't. Right. And so you look at a contract, you look at all that language, and then you say, oh, that's not bad, you know. A thousand miles in five years. I don't have to compete. This sounds like a sweet gig. I'm going to take it. You know, I, I always tell people, look, I can't give you uh, total universal advice in every 50 states, but I tell you, um, I do have lawyers in different states. I'm looking at developing either a DAP on the blockchain or an app uh, where I can get people to nurses to the lawyers faster. That's great. Uh, create some templates that they can look at and then send them to the lawyer. And yeah, I want to make my own company where I'm not the lawyer. It's more an AI system. Yeah. I can totally see that to the right lawyer. Yeah. And, and so I'm working with some guys that are doing that, but yeah, I mean, I always tell everybody uh, airway, uh, breathing and circulation, same thing in contracts, ABC, but we switch them around. If I want to do something for you, I am offering you, making you an offer, and I will pay you this. So you are uh, making some uh, bargaining. You're starting the bargaining with consideration. So the guy gives you BC, and then you look at it, and then you say, no, I want to counter with this, and I'd like this, and I don't like this in the contract. That's counter offer, as Cousin Benny used to say. Yeah, but so many nurse, let's talk about those counter offers. So many nurse practitioners are afraid about counters. They're like, I'll just take whatever. Like, that's what they feel like they have to do. That's what I've learned about on the Facebook sites. It's that they'll just take whatever. And um, they'll pose this question on like a terrible uh, scenario of what someone has asked them to do. And other people will be like, oh yes, it's good experience. Just do it for a little while and then leave, but it's abusive or it's really, um, it's, it's a terrible thing that someone's offering you. I mean, uh, so how can we teach nurse practitioners? That's my thing to, to learn how to negotiate, to say you have bargaining power and you can negotiate. I feel that they're afraid to. Well, you lawyer up and you don't sign anything that day. Never sign anything in that moment. It's exactly. just like emotional buying and emotional eating. Been there, done that. Uh, you know, you you don't emotionally sign a contract. You tell them, let me think about it. Buying time. There's an old saying in the law, don't put off for tomorrow what you can put off forever. Some people start performing and uh, and they don't have a contract. Well, it's kind of at will. But you haven't signed a draconian contract that's going to stick you there. Uh, rule number two, I always think about he or she who makes the first offer and you with your background, just like my dad was a Hold'em and a craps guy. Uh, I saw a lot and I know how to count cards and do all that stuff. And uh, I, I love I'm fascinated with the law of averages and statistics and things, but uh, negotiation. Uh, he who offers the first number loses every time. Hey, Ercilia, what if I pay you 100 Gs a year? You're like, oh, you're FOS. Uh, you're going to pay me 190. And then we start. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, yeah. Counter. Counter. Throw them off a little. And yeah. if, if they're corporate thugs with a guy like me working for them or 10 guys like me with a 20-year healthcare background, they go in there. Sometimes they'll send you in with a guy that's an MP like me, and I've done it. I was just like Michael Clay. I mean, I was just like uh, 
uh, help me out here, not Michael Clayton, uh, George Clooney in the air up there. I was charged with uh, with firing people. That was the worst job for one client. I worked for a corporation, said never again. And I was the nicest uh, guy that would fire nurses. And I felt terrible. But it taught me something. I said, I've got to do this so I can be a better advocate on contract. So I reverse roles a lot of the time and I pretend I'm the hirer. I would hire and fire the people for the corporation guys because they didn't understand nursing. They just wanted the numbers. And I said, guys, you are, if you hire the wrong nurse, they will sink you. They will report yes. you to the Medicare. Uh, <laughs> they will sue you. And they will be very much trouble. You know, not all nurses are just going to do what you tell them to do. No, exactly. it's not 1950. Yeah, Ward Cleaver has left the building. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, I was just an experience uh, in a very, very weird um, scenario that was just like that, which I'm going to talk a little bit about, and I'd like to hear your um, excerpt on it. So, uh, so I got hired by a locum tenens, and there you go. You got to negotiate with these people because these guys are salespeople. If you're going to work for a locum tenens never get the lowest, you know, the lowest number that they give you always know your worth. I always go for the highest and I already know how to play the game. I've been working for locum since 2017. I know how much money they make and I know how to just really haggle. And if they're desperate enough, they don't have anybody else. They really want to make the money. They'll hire you at your rate that you always quote. So I always get the highest rate, you know, and I'm always, and I always have to have a take it or leave it attitude. I'm like, eh, I could get another job somewhere else and make more, whatever. Anyway, I got a call from Barton and Associates uh, to work at, um, hi, you're laughing. <laughs> they have terrible reviews, by the way. I looked at their reviews and I've never worked for them before. I have um, some locums that are great that I write blogs for uh, and, and I have great associations, but Barton, I don't know so much. So it's interesting. So I got a call. I got the highest rate that they were offering for this gig. And it was for one of the emergency sanctuary shelters. And this was in Pomona, California. So I took the deal and I, they told me I was working for the federal government, but I wasn't. <laughs> Here I go in. They said I was going to do health histories and physicals. That's what my contract said, but I wasn't. <laughs> Yeah, like no meds, no cleaning up, no, no, right. anybody hurling. Yeah. Right, right. So they forgot to say that. So uh, going in there, I mean, it was just really weird. Um, I mean, there was a, the setup was great, but it was very weird. We didn't get any orientation the first day. So the first day we, we did nothing. There's like 200 providers there, doctors, nurse practitioners, and a few nurses, but mostly a ton of nurse practitioners. For some reason, they, wanted to hire a lot of nurse practitioners for this gig. They were set to have 2,500 kids there, right? And when I went there, that's a lot of kids, right? (laughs) I don't think these people knew what they were getting there, what they were getting into. So like I said, there's no orientation. Um, We're not told who this client is. We're just kind of bullied, you know, and put down. So immediately I knew something was wrong. I go, something's not right. (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, my red flag started going off when there was no orientation. We had to get our own badges and do our own COVID tests. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, And then we were told we couldn't use our phones or we'd get fired. Here we were being threatened and bullied. I go, okay, that's kind of weird, too. So I, I Shanghai or where was it? Right, right. It was, yeah, it was, there were, exactly. I was like, where are we? You know? But it's that face recognition every time you clock in, you know. Yeah, totally, totally. But it's interesting how people will just follow and not question things. I mean, here I am, I'm questioning everything that's going on, you know, and people are just following. They're like, hey, put your bags over here and we'll have a a security guard there. Nobody was there. You know, I put mine in the car because I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, you know, Um, and people got stuff stolen, which was interesting. Uh, I'm talking to the the DNP in charge, this uh, woman who had a doctorate in nursing practice. I'm like, hey, so can you tell me who you are and how you got your job and and what we're doing here and what's going on? And she goes, I'm just doing this until I retire. Okay. And I'm (laughs) 
Oh yeah, that that is a singing recommendation. I'm just doing yeah. this till like, I die, you know. I mean, yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm all over it. Oh, I'm like, is this a comedy show? Is this for real? I so, can feel and- the enthusiasm in the corporate culture already. Run! Oh my gosh! Run! Yeah, yeah, it's like a run. I mean. Um, and then her daughter was the director of nursing. And I was like, so how'd your daughter get her job? And she was like, well, and she couldn't really tell me so much about it anyway. So everybody has their name on a list, right? And then that's how they give you your assignments. Okay. Right. And I was like, but there were, a, there were just a handful of people that did pediatrics there. Okay. Which was weird. And I, I went up to him. I'm like, Hey, I speak Spanish. And I've been doing peds for 25 years. So put me in the clinic. They put me in the showers. So they're like, okay, you're just going to monitor showers, you know? And so I did the night shift because it was more. And so we were monitoring these kids coming off the bus uh, in uh, from the facility uh, at the border. They were coming off the bus. And, you know, they this is what they were doing. They came off the bus. They went into intake. So people were taking their information down. Um, they gave them a sandwich, Gatorade and an orange. They checked their blood sugar after, which I was like, why are they checking their blood sugar after they give them food? They're like, oh, they're checking for DKA. And I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense after they've eaten. (laughs) So I don't know who set this gig up. Right. So, you know, then the kids went in, they talked to the nurses and, um, then they got clothes. Then they came to the shot. They, they got uh, Nicks in their hair and they came to the showers, right? Then they went to bed. So this is what I was doing for about a week. And it, and when I came back, I had two days off and then I, I came back to my gig, things had changed. Things were weird, you know? And I had asked for my assignment to be changed again. And the DNP was just not having it, right? She was like, just go to the showers. And then there was a lead nurse there who started to bully me. And I was like, dude, She's like, you don't know how to do the nicks in the hair. And I'm like, okay, whoa, are you seriously bullying me? Cause I'm putting nicks in this kid's hair. Are you serious? You're going to be on top of me. And I was like, this is not happening. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. That's the guy you were. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, so I was, uh, and then I went to go complain again and I was fired. But I didn't know who I was working for because Barton kept saying, oh, it's the federal government. But it wasn't. It was the safety management systems. It was a sub. It was a subcontractor. Yeah, it's a subcontractor. So, yeah. So they just. It's totable. They're military contractors. Yeah, they're military. Exactly. There we go. Boom. And that's so you got I hired by Blackwater, you know, <laughs> and then you know you got hired by Blackwater. And you thought you were in the Marines. And you were not in the Marines. Right, right. <laughs> Well, they do um, contracts on oil rigs. So they hire medics to do these contracts on oil rigs. And I found um, a review that a medic had written, and it was exactly how these people were treating us. They're like, oh, they don't care what your background is. They're going to have you scrubbing floors, cleaning toilets, whatever Ahoy, you do. <laughs> exactly. Drop the tank. It's like a SpongeBob is, show, you know? Yes. But the funny thing is, these nurse practitioners were doing it. And it's mostly a lot of NPs from the South who Beautiful. don't make any money. Yeah, the California ones are like, peace out. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, you know, thank you, know. you for firing me. Because I just wasn't, I was just like, what is going on here? But Posts are not enough. Work. We've got to do a Zoom with a cross-section of nurses and NPs like you. And not just typing in, what do you think, should I take this? Sometimes... I don't even respond. I'll go, I'm not going to waste my time spending 30 seconds on yeah. like every, everybody said, run, run, run. I said, I'm not adding anything to it. You know, yeah. I, it's, it's cumulative. And, 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 you know, uh, even with the headhunters, yeah, I've worked with a lot of headhunters. They don't want to split their fees with me. And I tell them I used to do recruiting too. I said, you know, brother, you're going to make 25,000 uh, sometimes on an MP hiring them. That's a and, lot of money, though. Yeah, they get fifteen to twenty-five to recruit, yeah. and and they'll pay. Uh, and and uh, and they're so unfair. And AI is getting involved in it. Artificial intelligence. They're actually making programs. And I'm not, you know, part of the Manhattan Project, or I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> uh, that are uh, looking at your race, 
socioeconomic status, credit reports, all this stuff, and then saying this one will be a safer nurse than another. I mean, uh, face recognition, um, you know, this whole AI thing is just out of control. And a lot of these programs are being adapted by the healthcare system, but are not approved by the law yet. So we've got artificial intelligence, and I don't want to pick on Amazon, but they've got one. And uh, they've put a hiatus until next month on it. FBI was actually using this. Wow. Uh, people without noticing it, the federal government will use your licenses on lineups. There's no more. Number one, move forward. I shot the cook. Number two, move forward. I shot the cook. There's none of that anymore. They have a bunch of driver's licenses in a six by six frame of pictures and go, who's the guy who did it? I mean, innocent people are, and, and the same thing in recruiting. They are so biased. I mean, I've been in that side of the game. And if you're over 50, that's uh, X. Um, you want too much money. If you've been over 10 years, X. They want young nurse practitioners, less than five years that'll work for nothing. Right. Because they know statistically after you've been in and have been taken advantage of five years, you're going to be seasoned. You're not going to put up with it. And I want the first year to be seasoned. I tell them really look, okay, there's, there's, there's a bottom line number, but it should be your top line number. And don't deviate from that too much. Stick to your guns. Keep looking. You'd rather keep looking than be miserable. And number two, uh, you know, when you're doing this kind of negotiation, you have to tell them what you're worth and what you did as an undergrad before you came to this place. Right. And really humanize it and say, look, these are the intangibles you get from hiring me. And they leave that on the table. They leave money on the table by not telling them that during the interview process. Uh, and I always tell everybody, I didn't learn how to really dress and I'm not really dressing today, but to really dress ZZ top sharp dress, man, it makes a difference when you go for a job interview, don't go in there with shorts and the Burks, oh, which yeah. I love. My daughter calls it my uniform on the weekend. You know, you, you, <laughs> could, you could see me at the farmer's market wearing my Burks and, and my long sleeves, you know, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, not to give a plug for anybody, but anyway, uh, so, uh, but I'm saying that a jacket, you know, something, and some people aren't used to the suit and tie, just wear a jacket and a nice shirt with jeans. Exactly. Hey, cool director from Hollywood look, you know, I mean, but don't go in there looking slobbed out and um, don't start out with, so how much am I going to get paid? No, no. Yeah. No, bad mistake. I don't know. I have not had the pleasure of reading your stuff. I'm dying to read it. Oh, yeah. Because um, I want to know. Just yeah, shoot it yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I Anything write a lot about leadership. I write a lot about um, just really just nurse stuff. I mean, protecting nurse stuff, uh, leadership, management, uh, nurses being bullied, uh, nurses being harmed on the job. I mean, I had uh, Beth Duche on the show who was strangled by an uh, an anesthesiologist. Okay. And she's in Colorado. And can you believe her nurse or her medical director was like, Oh, won't you just go back to work with him? He said he won't do it again. Yes. (laughs) It happens all the time. Well, I'm telling you, uh, I had to add on uh, when I started, it was federal criminal, civil, administrative. And then I had to add on uh, making contracts, defending nurses against lawsuits. And then I had to add on employment law, had to bring on an employment law specialist because it is so important to know uh, what is wrong, what is appropriate. Thank God for hashtag because it has really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really backed off these guys. I, I literally was in Bubba country somewhere and uh, they were like, uh, well, heck, Joe, we don't even have First Amendment rights anymore. We're the last guys in America. to. We can't say anything without getting in trouble. Everybody's yeah. so touchy, you know, and I understand where they're coming from. 
but, you know, some of them didn't work with females since they were 16 like me. I get it. You got to be a little bit, uh, you have to be a bit, oh, my gosh, respectful of everybody. Right. You know, oh, my gosh, you know, it's America. Uh, so I, I just want to say that, that you have to respect people. No. Yeah. If I did you like the safety second, management people, they don't respect nobody. They don't care what you No, no. You clean the toilet. HR, and I've been there. I've had to be uh, the hard ass that had to fire people. I had to be the person that hired. And, and uh, you know, I had, uh, I was such a softie. I would tell them, look, either they're going to can you report you to the board in some states that happens, or you, you, you just uh, go quietly in that good night and just write a resignation letter, but don't write one that's a hater thing. I said, because then we have to go and give you a negative review. Right. Some of these rogue back people will say, let's just report it for the board for all her medical errors and stuff. And that'll silence her for good. That's another weapon of destruction. Right. And yeah. And then, and then that gets on your national practitioner data bank. And it's like going out on a wild night and a tattoo you can't remove. I love that. And I read an article on MedPages where you were talking about people being reported to the BRN for stupid stuff for uh, just because their uh, manager either didn't like them or they were wearing the wrong scrubs or uh, brought their own mask to work during COVID. Oh, that's right. That's what it was because they brought their own mask to work during COVID. That's ridiculous. So you had to can you talk a little bit about that case? Oh, yeah. Got on the phone with her and told her, get a local lawyer or hire me. I'd be glad to talk to her. And let me tell you, she stood up and she said, I'm quitting. And she did. And then, uh, you know, gave her some tips. And then uh, that was at three. And she was bold. She was ready to go. So I figured, are you sure? Are you sure? Because the game's the game. Yeah. Politics <laughs> and media go together like hand in hand. That's this true. This is not health care. So about eight o'clock at night, the local, you know, I'm yeah. not going to say which which uh, which uh, station and the newspaper picked it up. And they happen to be a part of the AP wire. So then it hits the AP wire. Then it hits CNN. Then everybody oh, wow. calling her on the phone. And she was like, what did you do to me? And I said, I didn't do anything to do you. I warned you this yeah. is the game, but it's not Pee Wee League. It's New York Yankees. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I told her, just if you feel uncomfortable, field all the questions to my uh, answering service and let them go on and on. And then I just hit them all with no comment. <laughs> or I can send them some blathering soundbite like, uh, we defend all nurses and we find this reprehensible, you know, boom, you're out. You get right. out of Vietnam in the last chopper. You know, I mean, you don't go on and on with the, with the media. They'll twist your words and things. And, and the other thing I wanted to say was nurses out there, uh, your feed and AI on what we're watching. Uh, you may be getting a news feed that is this side of the political spectrum and all your friends love you. And then the other nurses are on this side. So nurses are not immune to fake news. It's really your news. And that's why we're so far apart. Machines uh, really have taken over our feed. So, you know, I try to do as best I can. BBC, NPR, you know, Al Jazeera Network, Reuters, and read about five different papers. And then put it all together and go, hmm, what's true? Yeah, exactly. What's true? I do that as well. Yeah. I, I try to, you know, piece it all together like a puzzle and uh, and then I can go ahead and make my own uh, opinion up or a decision up or whatever. But so yeah. we need to think critically as nurses. I think we're all working together and I think that we just opening up this dialogue. You know, I just said, you know, there there is a, a bargaining a, a consideration and acceptance and that's BCA. That's just. They make you an offer, you make a counter, you know, uh, either you accept or you, you, they offer you the consideration. That's the that's the weenie and the hot dog. And that's what they're going to give you. <laughs> and then you accept. And uh, but but people look at contracts differently. For instance, the corporations, 
They could say this starts after you leave. That's the biggest mistake. Nurses think it's when I started. Now I can. Then they then they moonlight. Uh, you know, a lot of nurses have side hustles. Yeah. So they're not covered by the insurance of that contract. They need to always carry their own insurance. Own insurance. Oh my gosh. I remember I was at a nurse practitioner conference and uh, Melanie Balestra, I don't know if you know her, but she's a PEDSNP and she's also uh, an attorney uh, who defends MPs. Uh, she said that she talked about a case and she's like, always have your own insurance because why should you have your own insurance? Because just in case the insurance that your job has doesn't want to go forward with the case, your own insurance, I mean, could support you more. Can you go ahead and explain that a little bit in detail? I mean, she got everybody scared at this conference. Everybody jumped up and called their insurance company immediately. So she's love to meet her. Love to meet her. She's <laughs> probably the only one in my skill set that uh, you say she's an MP and a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, and piano lawyer here in California. Yeah, she speaks yeah. at the pediatric nurse practitioner conferences all the time. She actually helped out a, a friend of mine. I'm going to just talk about this case and then we'll wrap this up. It's just a, a, a briefcase. It's very funny. Um, one of my friends, a uh, pretty new MP, I think she's been practicing about five to 10 years or so up in Northern California. Her husband um, texted me and I'm actually friends with her husband. Um, and he's like, do you know any attorneys, you know, uh, his wife was being sued or she, she might be, um, uh, they were looking at her for some malpractice case. I was like, what happened? He's like, can't talk about it. You know, um, I just need the name of an attorney. I go, well, I'm sure it's something not too big, you know, and, and he's like, but she's freaking out. And I just want her to talk to somebody. So I gave him uh, Melanie's name. Uh, and so, uh, after six months, everything got cleared, uh, and, um, you know, it didn't go to court. I mean, the, the case was dismissed, had no merit. So I talked to her about it. I was like, what happened? And she's like, it's the weirdest case ever. So she was working at an urgent care and, um, some guy came in, he was 44 years old. He was obese. He was a diabetic, uh, totally non-compliant. He had ascites. Um, his legs were huge, uh, you know, he, phlebitis, ascites. So she went ahead and measured his legs, right? Um, he also had high blood pressure. So she went ahead and documented everything. Um, and she told him to follow up. You know, he had to follow up with his uh, provider in a week or whatever. She had treated him. He wanted some, he wanted his meds to be refilled. And so she was refusing that. You know, she's like, no, you need to go in and see your provider because he was a hot mess. He was a train wreck, right? And so she had put his new diagnosis in. This is what uh, what flagged her as high blood pressure, right? And nobody had diagnosed him with high blood pressure before. So um, he never went in for his follow-ups. And three months later, he dies, right? Now, his wife, who is an MD... <laughs> Right. She um, is suing uh, my friend for malpractice uh, only because, you know, she called her up and said, hey, can you change the diagnosis uh, and not put uh, high blood pressure? And she's like, why? And she goes, because I can't collect on his insurance. <laughs> so she was suing her just because of that. Oh, yeah. I get VA cases and I get um, uh, I get those cases where uh, I always tell nurse practitioners before you put depression, anxiety or sleep apnea on a diagnosis, you better be ready. Hypertension. Those are uh, diabetes. Just because somebody's a six oh on one day and ate all of the strudel, uh, you know, you better be careful because those records are burnt in ink. And I'm not telling you to go back on your principles. I'm just saying the effects of putting somebody has suicidal ideation or something or talking to an adolescent and say, sometimes I feel like killing myself. You're not going to put suicidal and automatic depression on there. That follows them the rest of their life, their right. insurance, everything, and everything they're going to pay triple. And, and nobody knows about that. You're not taught about business. You're not talk about, you're not taught about uh, all of the ramifications of what you're doing behind the scenes and how 
uh, insurance. They ought to have a course on business insurance yes. and being reported to the board. So true. And negotiation. Whammo. And, you right. know, that's what we need. But that is a hilarious story, but true. And VA clients nowadays with the opioid crisis, I've got I've got cases where they don't get the right candy they've been getting. It wasn't their fault. They got the Oxy and the Lord Tab and the Soma and the Xanax, also right. known as the Houston cocktail. And they got that for eight years. But, uh, they came back from Felucia. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, we're going to give you some Gabby Penton. And he's like, can I snort that? You know, I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, that's not my meds. I want right. my meds. I fought for my country and I caught a bullet. Bam. Uh, never mind the lawsuit. Lawsuits go away. You're more prone, ladies and gentlemen out there, to get a board complaint. People yeah. are asking about their nurse practice act. Go to one hub site, National Council for State Board of Nurses.org, NCSBN.org. Go to that. That's that's a treasure trove of information. NPs that are working pain management and weight loss, you are under a microscope right now from DEA, whether you yep. know it or not. Uh, always check your PMP and always check uh, your your uh, um, uh, your MPI because those are like handing over your Social Security and credit card to an employer and leaving your purse behind for everybody to trust at the locker on. <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> let me tell you, you do your 99214 or no 212, and they may get a 214 and you don't know about it. The feds are going to come to you and say, This is your signature, this is an electronic thing. Right. You build it, it's under your MPI. You're the one going in for fraud. You're so the smart. one, orange is the new black. And that's, <laughs> those are the big, the biggies that I, that I really want to tell people because those are the biggies for MPs, for RNs, just and MPs buy insurance, yes. buy insurance for teaching, buy insurance for everything because you know, and then they'll say it's going to cost too much. And I'm just telling nurses, uh, two thousand a year that's not a lot. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, I, I pay four G's just to be a lawyer, uh, you know, and then I pay my two G's to be an MP. It's like you pay house insurance and flood. You pay more in flood house and car insurance. Give me a break. This is your $4 million decision if you're 25. Very Get good. I mean, so true. So true. I mean, um, very Let me true. step. Well, hold on. Let me step down from my from my uh, soapbox. Here I am. <laughs> your soapbox. Now everybody's going to leave and go buy insurance now. I mean. Uh, I doubt it. I have. I don't have this. I don't have that sort of Everybody, oh, Joe. And I do. I, I from all the stuff that I've seen, it's just like, but, but buying extra insurance, you can get either your own attorney or the an attorney that, uh, I mean, they'll they'll um, be on your side and they're more apt to fight for you than the workplace attorney will be like, eh, that's okay. And if you get uh, if you get reported to the BRN, they really don't care. And always buy occurrence-based insurance, the most, and it has administrative coverage, the most administrative coverage I've seen, and I'm not endorsing them, but they pay, number one, you don't want an insurance that doesn't pay, buy occurrence-based, because if you messed up with that guy, that scenario you said, like last year, and then you drop the insurance, he'll still cover you, even if you drop it. Claims made, you got to keep paying tail insurance. And, and you don't know. And, and let me tell you, uh, you're hiring physicians uh, and groups. They'll say they bought you insurance and you're included. Make sure. Exactly. Tell them, I want to look at the declaration page of the insurance, also known as the deck sheet. I want to look at the deck sheet. I want to look and I want to have the right to be checking on my PMP every patient if I want to. Very good. I want to see if they're hitting the Walmart or Walgreens with, uh, I gave them one uh, Tylenol number three and they went to 10 different pharmacies. I've had nurses literally have 6,000 scripts they can't account for because somebody stole their prescription number and wow. they started calling in schedule threes everywhere. Wow. That's crazy. Well, this has been a fun episode, Joe. Uh, anything you'd like to add on and where can people find you? Anytime uh, they want to find me, info, I-N-F-O 
at floreslawfirm.com. That's F-L-O-R-E-S-L-A-W-F-I-R-M. They can uh, find me on Facebook and just, uh, I answer so many um, just instant messages on IG and Facebook. I, I, you know, I spend a couple of hours a day just reviewing that stuff. I don't mind. Uh, I get a lot of people that say, I have this problem. I ask them, please put your state down. First sentence. They give me this, you know, uh, you know, uh, J.R. Tolkien sort of Michener novel. And then they don't tell me what state they're from. Please tell me in the first line what state you're from and your credentials. And then it gives me a lens that I can look through. Please, I don't mind helping and punting you to somebody else in another state or I stay on if it's a federal. But just tell me where you're from. And then I can go, oh. Just stop there. New York, Rich West, boom, Florida here and there, West Coast, Joseph Curran, bam, 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 bam. I, I, I just, I, and I don't mind, and my assistant doesn't mind. But like I said, we're developing something where we can serve the nursing community quicker, an app. Yeah. And, and then they have unlimited access to calling me uh, and reaching me. And it'll just, now that AI I'm in favor of, where they can get an instantaneous reference. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being on. And uh, I look forward to having you on again. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and Hypocon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest... Go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com. <laughs>